Long weekend, Jeff City. Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics to talk about it with a man at the center of all of it, Senator Ben Brown, freshman senator from fighting Franklin County. I guess they say it, freedom loving Franklin County. Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics. Great to be here, Scott. So uh, you didn't, if you'd have gotten paid by the hour this week, uh, the state would have got a heck of a deal, right? Yeah, I'd say that, uh, you know, that might be the case most weeks, particularly this one. You know, we had a, a late night, of course, Monday. Mm -hmm. um, my first overnight filibuster, so kind of got my feet wet as far as that goes. A couple of what you call, I guess, many filibusters up till now, but this was uh, the real deal. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, something good came out of it. And then tell me what tell me what actually is in the bill the Senate perfected uh, sometime, I guess, for most folks early Tuesday morning. So uh, what we had is you had two bills that were combined uh, while they were being negotiated. You had the uh, Save Women's Sports Act, uh, which keeps biological males out of uh, women's sports. You also had the SAFE Act, which prohibits uh, these gender changing surgeries, hormone treatments, things like that for minors. So what happened is the two bills were combined together while they were being negotiated. And uh, you know we had a commitment from leadership that they would be separated out before being voted upon. And you know they followed through. We were able to get it done. Uh, you know, after the way things ended uh, before spring break, I was it was really refreshing to see people kind of come together and able to get this over the finish line. I was particularly happy to see Senator Mike Moon, good guy, worked very hard on a lot of bills. This year, it just it felt to me like I know there's a lot of folks that have issues with with some of the things that that came out that WashU was alleged to have done. Uh, there's a little bit of politics in everything. It seemed to be a very personal fight for Mike Moon. And to see a, a good guy actually carry a piece of legislation that big across and get it perfected and passed in the Senate, uh, he kind of had a good good night for him. Yeah, I felt I felt very happy for Mike. You know, it was a win for I think I think children across Missouri. But to Mike, this has been a very personal issue, something he's worked on for multiple years, and to get something this big, this important to him across the finish line, I think it's just it's just it's just really great to see. It's the icing on the cake. So talk about a couple other things. Something that everybody, your district has a little St. Louis County in it, but definitely part of the St. Louis region. Um, crime in the city. It is something that, uh, it, it just seems like something that you really can't even argue is a legitimate problem. Yeah, it's, it's just spiraling out of control. We know that we, where we've ranked nationally among other cities for some time, but now we're just seeing uh, the blatancy and shamelessness of some of the crime just shows really that there's no feeling of real accountability there. We had just weeks ago where a man was executed on the street in broad daylight and someone was just standing there recording the whole thing on their on their cell phone. I mean, you, you would never expect to see that. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's just blocks away from City Hall. You know, I understand everyone likes to make the argument about local control, but if this is what local control looks like, then we have a really big problem. Talk <laughs> about local control, everybody thinks of taking over St. Louis, right? However, might not always be an old sheriff in the governor's office. What if a governor, Crystal Quaid, were to come into office? Do you think the folks in Freedom Love in Franklin County would like her taking their local, local control away? No, of course not. And, you know, I think that there has to remain a balance there. I, I believe in local control. However, you have to keep in mind that, that any power at the municipal or lower level, that all stems from the state. And at the state level, I feel that, you know, you can't just have power delegated from the state and then just just walk away and not take responsibility for how that power is being enacted. I think that you know you have to do right by your constituents. Once you get to the point, I mean this is a pretty extreme point that we're at right now where people are getting murdered in the street in broad daylight. If that were to be happening in Franklin County on a regular basis then maybe we'd have that conversation but obviously the problem right now is in St. Louis. 
Unfortunately, you know, I, I have a small section of St. Louis, mostly more rural areas, but what happens in St. Louis doesn't always stay in St. Louis. And we're seeing some of that crime migrate out to Franklin County, St. Charles County, and other places. And it's just really unfortunate. It's the economic engine of the state, and it's going to affect us for, for some time to come. Also, about a, a practical issue, there, the, the, there was a big push several years ago to give St. Louis back control of its police department. I think it was taken away during the Civil War. Uh, a lot of Republicans now are saying, well, we're going to take that back and make it a state-appointed board as the governor would appoint, uh, similar to the old process. What is your position on that? You know, it's, I think it's a conversation we have to have at this point. You know, as far as um, who controls the police department, I think that could make some difference. But the real issue at hand is that even if the police are out there doing everything they can, if, if these cases aren't being prosecuted, mm -hmm. then really that gets us nowhere. And obviously we have a big problem in St. Louis County with uh, Kim Gardner, uh, you know, the Attorney General Bailey has come in and, and now issued this quo warranto, and we have those proceedings going forward. And so I think that is probably the most important step right now is just having some level of accountability to make sure that people are in there prosecuting those crimes. Because otherwise, the police can do everything they want. They're not going to be able to get anyone off the street in the end of the day. So, uh, break down for me. You've got a bill that you know a lot about this subject matter. I think when you're first on this show, you were fighting mask orders and shutdown orders here in St. Louis over the pandemic. Uh, you've come up with uh, a little broader based state law to limit some of these regulations. Explain what that means, just a regular old boy in Warrington. Yeah, so I, I it's kind of my story, I guess, coming full circle in a way. Uh, first time I ever traveled to the Capitol, uh, a little over two years ago, I went to, the, uh, to uh, a committee hearing and I testified in favor of a bill to restore oversight to the emergency health order process. Just a couple of weeks ago, I returned to that same room, sat in that same desk, this time as a state senator presenting my bill to rein in some of, the, some of this out of control uh, government overreach. And what happened during COVID is, uh, you know, we had kind of, I guess you could call it a loophole in Missouri statute where DHSS was able to delegate its rulemaking ability to local health authorities. Now, as you know, DHSS is a state agency. When they promulgate rules, there is oversight at the legislator. They go to the mm -hmm. Joint Committee on Rules, so there's oversight there. But yet, when they pass along this power to local authorities, the uh, oversight did not travel with it. So what we ended up with is in St. Louis County, where one man was essentially able to issue 400 plus pages of law with zero oversight, zero accountability, or input from the public. My bill ends that. It prevents DHSS from delegating that rulemaking ability to local authorities. It still allows them to enact policies through their own local process for enacting health orders. And, you know, most importantly, I think, is that anytime there's a health order, you know where it's coming from. You don't have yeah. to go to the school board and say, you know, I, I don't like this policy. They point to the county. You go to them, they point to DHSS. I think that only created more mistrust and degraded that relationship with public health officials. In St. Louis, it's got its own unique charter form of government. But in Franklin County, it, it feels to me like the presiding commissioner is the top elected person in the county. If you ask just, a, a, just someone in New Haven, they'd tell you, well, the top person in the county is the presiding commissioner. The commission does set the, set the, the laws and regulations for this county. It seems like the final say on something as heavy as a health order force you at gunpoint, the government force you to shut your business down or force you to wrap stuff around your face. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do that. I mean, there are extenuating circumstances, there are emergencies. It just feels like that power should not rest with the health board, who I would say very few many people in union could name you the entire health board or even two or three people on it. But, but it feels like that should be with the presiding commissioner to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have a, 
a system of government that's founded upon uh, you know, having checks and balances, this a separation of power in order to protect the liberties of, 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 of the people. And you know, that's what was lost because you didn't, have, you didn't have the separation of powers. You had the executive branch acting unilaterally and that's just, that opposes everything that really this, this country was founded upon. So this bill ensures that anytime there's any kind of health order that the legislative uh, branch of that government, whether it's a county council, mm -hmm. a commission, that they are allowed to weigh in because those are the ones that are accountable to the voters, to the taxpayers. Because a, a person that's appointed to a health a health board, they, they're not accountable to the people. And you know we need to have, if you're gonna be able to affect someone's life that directly, I think that the voters need to have a say on who's in that position, who's making those decisions. Then where's the buck stop, right? If there's a gravel road out of line in Sullivan, you call Tim Brinker. Well, if you're going to trust him with that, the buck should stop there for such a weighty decision as whether you can't go to a restaurant in Sullivan. Exactly, exactly. And people's livelihoods were disrupted. Yeah. In some cases, you saw not in, not in freedom-loving Franklin County, of course, but in other areas of the state, not going to name any names. You couldn't take your family <laughs> to church. You know, kids weren't allowed to attend school, participate in athletics. You know, as much as they, they say that, uh, you know, athletics and exercise is beneficial, now, in hindsight, they weren't letting people even go out and outside in the parks. They shut down all the parks. It was just all these arbitrary orders that were being thrown out there, just, you know, throwing at the wall, seeing what sticks. There's no way to handle a public health crisis. Well, next time you've got to have a state law that says you've got to keep Satchmo's, Smitty's, and Sportsman's <laughs> Park open no matter what, right? Uh, we'll work on that. Real quick, your education bill. Tell me, give me the thing about homeschool kids <clears throat> right now, let them get into high school sports. See, I filed a bill. Uh, Jill Carter as well filed a similar one. And what this does is allows uh, kids that are homeschooled, if the parents are taking on the additional burden, financial and financially and time investment to uh, homeschool their children, I think that they should be able to have access to the same extracurricular activities as public school kids because they're still paying into the tax system that's funding these programs. Myself, athletics made a huge impact in my life. Wrestling completely changed the person I am and set me on the track to be successful for anything I pursued later. And the, the thought that the kids are being robbed of this opportunity because their parents choose to homeschool them, it's just, it's just devastating to me and I think it has to be addressed. Well, Zeb Bill moves the process. I hope you'll come back and talk about it with us on This Week in Missouri Politics. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Judge Mike Carter, launching his new show, joins us after this. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople, while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Welcome back to This Week Missouri Politics with my friend Judge Mike Carter, the judge out in Wentzville. How's Law & Order in Wentzville going? Good. Can't complain. I think everybody's uh, pretty happy. Community I think standards they like law and they like order out there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they definitely <laughs> do. <laughs> uh, but that's not what you're here today for. You, everybody has seen the show previously, The Cowboy and the Judge. You have a new show debuting next week here on ABC at 11 o'clock, Justice and Journalism. Tell folks what it's about. Well, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun on The Cowboy Judge show, mm -hmm. me and The Cowboy. And uh, I don't know, I like, he, he had guests inevitably that he had on sure. that we would act like we liked and stuff. But now I kind of wanted to have each one of them that I have enough to say about each thing. I believe and that. <laughs> And I've got a master's in journalism. In just the past three, four, five years, you know, journalism has taken a pretty big ding. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, I'm a judge, justice and journalism. I just mentioned justice and journalism. I'd like to do some justice to journalism. You know, the way that I see it should be kind of be done. Serve up facts and premises and things and let other people do the deciding on what they think about it. So it's going to be you, uh, Sundays at 11. Then you'll air it uh, tonight or next week, starting tonight, about 10, 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on every day on ABC. Pretty much five days a week, uh, Saturdays around 6 p.m. or 6.30 right after the world news, uh, and then each morning on the weekend at 11, and then uh, kind of late night, 10 and 11 o'clock on the weeknights. Tell folks about yourself. Tell folks about your family. I'm married. I got a lovely wife since, uh, well, I've known her since 1988. <laughs> I got a 27-year-old and an 18-year-old in college. One's living out in L.A., the 27-year-old, nice. and um, really just... Uh, really blessed in that department. No troubles, doing good in school, all that kind of thing. And uh, really um, can't complain at all about that. So walk me through, when, when folks watch Justice in Journalism, you're gonna put, look, give a little justice to the media, a little microscope on the media. Yeah. You can have folks on? Yeah, a ton of folks. In fact, like this next coming week, couple of weeks, we're gonna have uh, some politicos, some, I'm doing a weird thing on like door dashing and ship those folks who do shopping at the Schnooks and Deerbergs or whatever restaurants, Gerbs, whatever's around you. It, like the underbelly of, you know, how does that work? How do they get tipped? And uh, I heard that people can take tips back after they've done all the shopping. And uh, the mechanics, I'm having three or four master mechanics on who are going to talk about the supply chain and labor issues and parts and uh, the chips that everybody's heard about for several months. Just like things I'm interested in that I think. I've who, always thought that's a great show. It's just the inner monologue of Mike Carter as he goes through the day asking questions that none of us ever even think to ask. I just think the inner monologue of Judge Mike Carter would, would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think, you know, some of our best shows in the past with the Cowboy have been phenomenal. We had like uh, Angel's Arms on before, they're foster mm -hmm. parenting and they mm -hmm. buy houses and move people in them. That's like the best show we ever had as far as like ratings. In the McDonald, uh, Ronald McDonald House, I never knew that uh, uh, you just went there and stayed for $5 a night. I thought you gave them their money and they kind of peppered it around mm -hmm. and they were on. That was like our next biggest show. And, and even just uh, one time I had a panel of uh, home inspectors, you know, when the real estate market was super hot. Yeah. And I've been a realtor since 1990. And uh, just, I very you know, seldom see realtors liking home inspectors all that much. I think these like days. Like Lion the Lamb. I saw, they, the, I saw the interview. It was interesting. They find each other and develop relationships for the reasons you're hinting yeah. at, you know, so that they kind of understand, you know, who does a good job and who's looking for problems. Yeah. I always heard them called deal killers back in the day. But I, I was interested to watch a person who I knew you were in. In real estate, and you saw these home inspectors. I was like, "Well, that's interesting." Yeah, I thought it was. Together. And every realtor, after a while, becomes you know kind of their own quasi inspector. They can identify <laughs> a roof, yeah. and you know, and crack lateral versus vertical in the well, basement. Like a judge can identify an alibi, right? You right. know, if you're, you're right or not. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, Justin journalism with Judge Mike Carter going to air after this week of Missouri politics at 11 o'clock on Sundays, and again that night once a week throughout the week on ABC 30 here in St. Louis. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and telling some folks about this. Absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. We'll be right back with our Opinion Maker panel. Rasheen Aldridge, the pulse of the streets of St. Louis, joins us after this. Data captured by our state-of-the-art monitors helps us pinpoint the timing and location of severe weather more accurately and respond to trouble more quickly. Ameren Missouri's investment in smart technologies like this is one way we're improving reliability and restoring power faster than ever. Responding to trouble before trouble hits. That's energy at work. Ameren Missouri. All throughout Missouri, businesses are struggling to find workers. 
childcare challenges are a big reason why. Our kids are losing out too. Through high-impact early childhood investments, we can support the workforce of today and better prepare our workforce of tomorrow, empower families with the resources they need to succeed, reduce crime and avoid costly interventions, saving taxpayers money. Together, we can make Missouri the best place to work, raise a family, and be a kid. Welcome back to Week in Missouri Politics Opinion Maker Panel Time. Jim Gwinner from here in St. Louis. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thanks, Scott. Brett Dingen, South Iron County's own, right? Yeah, that's right. Love it, love it. Dame didn't know you're named after Brett Hall either. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's the most interesting <laughs> thing I've learned this whole session. <laughs> and Rasheen Alder, State Representative, running for, uh, to be on the Board of Aldermen. How's the campaign going? Oh, it's going good. We pound the pavement. Thanks I for having me back. can't believe you'd rather leave the super minority <laughs> in the House of, of Representatives to be in the, I guess, not, it's not even a majority, it's just you're all of them, right? On the Board of Aldermen. Yeah, it's like an independent body. We're all <laughs> nonpartisan. <laughs> All right, Jim, let's talk about sports gaming here. Yep. Uh, bill passed the House, which yep. is sort of a, a rite of passage about St. Patty's Day. Mm -hmm. One of these bills passes the House. Uh, in the Senate, you've got two bills. One bill is just let people do what they want with Sportsbook. One of them has VLTs attached to mm -hmm. it. Now, Jim, break this down for me. Um, the government tax is a ton of your money. A little bit of your Way money you get much. to keep. They want to tell you you can't bet on the Chiefs. Yep. I don't understand it. Yeah, well, we've got 33 states plus D.C. in the United States have some sort of sports betting. And I think you're seeing, you know, a bipartisan coalition that wants to see sports betting. I was in Vegas two weeks ago. I put money on Mizzou. Didn't really pan out. But I still got money live for St. Louis City soccer. And, and that's fun. And I'm not a big gambler. And if I want to go and I got to go to Illinois to do it, we're, we're losing out on revenue. We're losing out on... Um, bodies that are going to the casinos to spend money in the restaurants and come downtown and go to the casinos and go to St. Charles and go to the casinos. They need to pass it. You know, but what's a better bet? Silicon Valley Bank's president isn't screwing you over or Pat Mahomes going to the Super Bowl? That's right. Well, Jim made the perfect case for this, which is that sports betting is happening amongst Missourians. It's not happening in our state. Yeah. And so we're losing about anywhere between 21 to 29 million in revenue um, because of this. The majority of our population, about two million, you know, on, on either side of the Kansas and Illinois border, they're just going to the cross state line um, and, and costing us a ton of money. So it's funny to me in Kansas City, there's a that state line road. On one side of state line road is a pot shop that Kansas people come to. On the other side is a little sports bar where everybody goes and gambles on Monday. <laughs> it's just interesting to see. And then Republicans run it all. They're supposed to let you run your life. Yeah. Except not exactly, right? Well, I think we're seeing a lot of bipartisan support right now. The House passed it with 118 votes, which is great. Um, I hope the Senate will take action as well and see that, you know, remove all the barriers to this and let uh, the people do what they want. Regina Aldridge, did you hear him talk about liberty, freedom, right? Everything's <laughs> liberty and freedom. <laughs> Unless you want to bet on the Chiefs, then no, 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 that you're not free to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's always, it's, it's, it's funny on which side sometimes <laughs> people be on, but I mean, this is, this is something I, I'm kind of proud that the House continue to take lead on. We took yeah. lead on it last year, uh, getting it out the House, passing to the Senate first. Uh, we understand we may not disagree on a lot of stuff in there, but sports betting is one that I think is a bipartisan issue. You know, like the gentleman's already said, there's other states doing it. Uh, you know, Missouri need to make this money. It kind of reminds me with the, the marijuana stuff. You know, you had Illinois that was, uh, you know, taxing marijuana. We're not now. I know it's uh, on the ballot here locally in St. Louis, but we've, we've been generating a lot of money since, uh, you know, marijuana is now legal here. And I think if we do the same thing with sports betting, it could really help our state. If this passes, can your constituents count on you to teach us how to bet on baseball? <laughs> I don't really understand the gambling lines for baseball. Football's easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're pretty hot right now with soccer, so let's uh, talk about... Uh, I'm a capitalist, so I'm going to miss you on SCL that one. City. 
Uh, me prediction. Does this bill pass? Does governor sign this? I think it'll pass. I think it'll pass. I think this is the year. I do. I do too. I no, think it is. I don't think so at all. No, uh, no. I, I'll, I'll be the negative one here, but I, I, I don't. I don't really see it. Uh, Rasheen, let's talk about crime in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, I, the reason I love having you on this show, you're a pragmatic guy. Mm-hmm. Your approach is different, but you don't deny a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of bunch of people that don't live in St. Louis have a lot of ideas for how you all are do things. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the suburban people have a lot of ideas how rural folks are to do things. <laughs> they're, they're full of ideas, right? So some I, of their ideas. less legislation for urban telling rural what to do, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, I guess. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, uh, what 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 do you think? Is there some, what, give me one practical, pragmatic thing that you could do to help reduce the crime in St. Louis. Man, that's a tough one. I don't think it's one thing. I think it's, okay. it's a multi-layer issue. And, you know, as somebody who's been out as an activist advocating uh, even for uh, just police accountability, one thing I will say is we do have a crime issue in St. Louis. And, you know, potentially more law enforcement uh, could be the way to go. I will say the city of St. Louis and the mayor passed a good a collective bargaining uh, agreement between the police department that's going to give them more money. And I think that's the critical part. If we don't pay officers more, they're going to continue to leave and go to St. Louis County. But at the same time, we need resources. We need mental health resources. We need stable jobs. We need folks to feel uh, like they're existing in their neighborhood. No matter how many law mm-hmm. enforcement you have, we're not going to be able to police ourselves out of the crime in St. Louis. But what do you do? Well, for one, you get rid of Kim Gardner. Uh, that's that's the key to this whole thing. But. I don't disagree with the resources and the things the representative pointed out, but that is going to be the long-term solution to this, and we've got to take immediate action now because crime is increasing, crime's happening, carjacking's happening, people don't feel safe downtown, businesses have all but left downtown, and that's where a lot of our resources are. The, the soccer stadium, you know, the, the Cardinals, I mean, all this stuff is what people are coming in for is in our city, uh, but people don't feel safe. They don't want to leave their cars um, downtown or anywhere around the stadiums. They're getting broke into at new developments. I mean, we've got to take action now. Please don't feel supported. Prosecutors aren't prosecuting. Uh, victims, you know, of crimes are going left unheard. So we've got to take some immediate steps now to remedy this. And I, I commend uh, the Attorney General Bailey for being the first of many politicians to complain about Kim Gardner to finally take some action on this. I like what Bailey did. Not, I mean, look, let's be honest. A lot of things in Iron County and Butler County are funded for money taken from the St. Louis area. Sure. A lot of times Republicans have ideas on how St. Louis should do things, but they don't bring any money to the table. Sure. I like that Bailey's like, okay, if we do this, I'm going to dedicate folks in my office to actually help. I'm not just here to say you're you're bad at this, you should move on. I'm here to say I've, I've, got, I've got something besides just chastising for you. Yeah, he's not just complaining. He's offering a solution in this, which is that he's going to provide some additional support staff yeah. to help handle these caseloads um, that have resulted from an exodus from uh, the, the circuit attorney's office. What happens? What, what do you do? Give me, some, give me an idea. Yeah, well, I'm kind of agreeing with everybody, which is probably new for the show. But, you know, I do think it takes... This, it takes a broader approach than what's happening now. You know, I, I'm a suburban kid, grew up in rural Missouri, but when somebody asks me where I'm from, I don't say I'm from Chesterfield. I'm from St. Louis. I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm a, I'm a Blues fan. I'm a St. Louis City soccer fan. And it does take a regional approach. Now, how do you get to those answers? I think you have to listen to a lot of people. First, I do think it's time for Kim Gardner to go. She's not running the office well. I don't think she's doing her job very well. Andrew Bailey's right. It's a high bar to get to that mark in a case. But I think we need to look at, like Rasheen was saying, we need to look at what we're paying police. We need to increase services, not necessarily defund the police per se, but we need to look at additional resources that help those departments, let the law enforcement do the job of law enforcement and let um, the support staff do what they can do best. I uh, have a high regard for Tashara Jones, the mayor. Yeah. I know that was not easy. 
I've heard her criticized publicly, Kim Gardner. I know that was not something she came to without a lot of thought. Um, how do you think that case ends up? You know, I also made uh, some comments on it, which was which was not easy because at the end of the day, uh, you know, every, every, what's going on in the office isn't perfect. I don't believe mm -hmm. that uh, the circuit attorney has the right to remove somebody who, who was duly elected. At the end of the mm -hmm. day, I think that should come down to the voters of City of St. Louis. There's an election coming up for uh, Ms. Gardner very soon, and if the people feel like she's not doing her job, they should be allowed to make that decision. So I will say. Uh, before even Kim was in office, we also have to remember St. Louis crime exactly. under Jennifer Joyce uh, was still very high. We still had carjackings. Same Republicans complained about St. Louis crime before Kim Gardner. Yeah, maybe a little louder now. Yeah, a lot louder. Let's talk about school, Jim Gwitter. Uh, uh, you know, everybody in the legislature. I think about half of them thought they were filing for school board when they ran for mm -hmm. the legislature. Uh, they all got thoughts. What's something you could do to help schools? Well, I think the first thing we need to do to help schools is learn from the ones that are performing. And I think part of the things of school choice is a good thing. And we need to have the dollars go into the school classrooms. School choice, like the rural version of school choice, where you could go to South Iron, you go to Fredericktown, yeah, or school choice where you go to like South Iron or Wash U. Well, it's a complex answer. So what you have to look at is, you know, you go to Marion County where I'm from, and the superintendent's a kid I went to high school with, sorry, an adult I went to high school with now. The sheriff's a guy that I had English class with in high school. You know, rural Missourians like their schools, they like their police departments, they like their, sh they like their fire departments. It's a whole different dynamic. Well, suburban folks have a lot of ideas for us too. So you I know, just, I know, I have a lot, but I'm trying to use my, I'm trying to use my Marion County roots. But I think in, in large urban centers like the St. Louis metro area, Kansas City metro area, you have to look at giving kids the ability to get out of underperforming schools. And it's not just in large metro areas. You can look at uh, you know, St. Louis County, what is it, 36% of the Lindbergh schools dollars are going to the students. And you look at- Yeah, but where'd you get that information though? Yeah. Where'd you get that information to the people that want to stick money in charter schools? Well, yeah. I, I'm always a little bit suspect right when I see these numbers. I understand using, there's lies, damn lies, statistics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they come up with some lies about test scores uh, or statistics, every one of you. You know, a, a fifth of public schools were struggling, but half the charter schools were struggling. Sure. Tell me what you could actually do on the front end to maybe make the whole thing better. Well, uh, look, I think that we've got to look at the fact that there is a problem right now. And it's not just in the city and it's not just a um, rural issue either. But, you know, when I look at back home from where I'm, in, in Iron County specifically, you know, I went to South Iron and Proud alum, uh, but up the road, just 25 minutes up the road at Arcadia Valley, you know, they had a full-time uh, foreign language teacher, which is something Ooh. students at South Iron didn't have access to. Um, they had, you know, a thriving, you know, band and composing department that some kids at South Iron didn't have access to. And there are people with talents in that area, and we require foreign language to go to a four-year public university in, in Missouri uh, that, that kids aren't really getting uh, quality access to or equal access to. And there are advantages that come with that. Um, there's an advantage to going to South Iron, which is having a great basketball team. There you uh, go. You, know. you don't lose. Again. <laughs> Hey, Regina, you're going, you're going to the Board of Aldermen, so we're not going to ask you about education right now. I'm going to ask you who won the week. Who won the week? I would say uh, Promo and other uh, activist group that was up in the legislature uh, protecting our kids and uh, making sure they can uh, identify who they want to identify and love who they want to love. Who won the week? Dan Houck's in the Sports Betting Alliance. Dan Houck's always wins the week. You just got a street named after him in, in <laughs> Warrensburg. Who won the week? I got to say it's Andrew Bailey. You know, with the additional information that he's put forth in the case against Kim Gardner's incompetence, I think that his office is showing that it's doing the work that it needs to to be ready to go prove a case. I am going to say uh, Senate leadership. Senator uh, Rowden, Senator O'Laughlin, and Mike Boone all came together, passed a bill that was definitely a priority of the chamber. They did it without a PQ. Good week for the state Senate, but good week for them. We'll see you next week with a panel of county commissioners on This Week in Missouri Politics.
This Week in Missouri Politics is sponsored by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Ameren, Spire, and the United Electric Cooperative. Thank you.